It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Jets, your daily podcast on the New York Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Jets. It is Tuesday, November 28th, 2017. I'm John B. from gangreennation.com. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe to it. You can do so on iTunes, Spotify, and other places. And please leave the show a good review. We certainly appreciate it. Joining us once again is our good friend Michael, who writes with me at gangreennation.com. We're going to talk about the Jets' latest game, a loss to the Carolina Panthers. Michael, thank you for joining us again. Good to be back, and I'm doing my best to try and handle another blown fourth quarter lead, but that's what we do. This is what we do, and I, I was, uh, I'm was i happy you're back. I mean, I, at some point, the Jets keep blowing these games in the fourth quarter. I figured eventually you just want to stop talking about them. Yeah, you're right, but it's the pause the Jets. We're going we're gonna to get through this. Yeah, I mean, we, we haven't stopped yet somehow. Um, well, why don't we start the show on a positive note? And let's just talk a little bit about the game Robbie Anderson had. It was, a, you know, a, he's red hot right now. Yeah, he's really developing as a receiver. Let's, let's talk a little bit about, about the game he had. Yeah, with Anderson, I think one of the things that earlier in the season that we've kind of complained about with him and said he need to, needs to improve on is his versatility, you know, his underneath stuff, his competing at the point of attack, yards after catch, you know, just becoming a more complete player. And while Anderson has, like you said, caught fire recently, I don't think it, I don't think it's really been that. It's just he's just dominating at what he does best, and that's his deep ball ability. We know he has speed. We know he can stretch the field, but we're just seeing him put it all together and get the footwork going, get his route running going, and also, like we saw in his second touchdown, just the awareness to break off his route and get open deep for McCown to find him. Just things like that, becoming a smarter, more aware player, Getting putting everything together to add to his feet to become really maybe the most dominant deep threat in the league this year. So, like we said, he can still become a more versatile player, but what he does do well, he's doing as well as anybody right now. Yeah, as you said, I mean, we've been saying for weeks he's got to do more things. The reason I've been saying it, and I'm sure it's, I'm guessing it's the same reason you've been saying, is that the NFL teams are really good away, good at taking away one thing. So if you can only do one thing well you're usually not going to be able to sustain a, a high level of play unless you are really, really great at that one thing. And right now, Anderson is really, really great on the deep route. But, you know, another thing that I've noticed, and I haven't watched the All-22 film for this game yet, but it's something I've noticed in his other games is he gets off the line very well. He has, he has He's very good at, at getting a good release, you know, getting a step on the defender. And that's all, that was a concern last year year just because he's so small he was a guy people worried you know would he be able to hold up would corners be able to body him up he's doing a great job getting a clean release this year when he goes out on his routes yeah and I think that's part of the progression that he's made in season I remember in the preseason training camp when Claiborne came in there was a lot of talk about 
how Anderson was struggling against Claiborne's press coverage, but like you said, he's he's improved there, and it's more than just his speed. It's putting it all together to become the threat that he is becoming, and everything goes into that. It's having the awareness, the ability to break off the line with speed and aggression, and every part of being a deep threat he's got going right now. And like you said, to to develop more, you'd like to see that from him if he's going to be a number one guy down the line. But he is definitely dominating as a deep threat right now. And as you mentioned, if you're only going to be good at one thing, you have to be really, really great at that one thing to survive. And he's absolutely doing that right now. Yeah, and I think any Jets fan who's watched this team in recent years knows it takes more than just speed to be a deep threat. As you said, he, he's developing a lot of the nuances of the wide receiver position. Uh, let's go to the defensive side of the ball. And I did not, I don't think I talked about him on yesterday's show, but guy I thought played a great game was Leonard Williams. Yeah, and I think, I think this game is a really good representation of his entire season. You look at the box score, no tackles, no sacks for Williams, but if you watch the game, that's pretty surprising because he was living in the Panthers' backfield. He chased Cam out of the pocket a couple times. He got him on the ground a few times and was active in the run game, clogging up the holes in the middle. But the stats, it's just a position that the stats aren't always going to tell the whole story because you're just sometimes not going to be the guy who makes a tackle. And Williams, a lot of the times, a lot of times this year, that's been the case. He's just not been the one to finish the play, but he's winning his matchups. He's causing havoc and causing problems for the opposing offense. And that's what he's, that's what he's here to do. Yeah. And it's just an example of the, you know, the saying that from a team we don't like very much, but a team that we don't like that team's always has the expression, do your job. And in this defense, Williams's job is typically either against the runner of the past to, play a certain part of the field and you don't want him leaving the area because you could compromise the structure of the defense. I, I remember this article I read a couple of years ago, and I think it was, it was about the Houston Texans back when uh, big Vince Wilfork was with them. And it showed this one video of Wilfork, like splitting a double team and like running, you know, leaving his lane and going to tackle the guy. And the writer said something to the effect of that, you know, this, this makes for a great vine but it's, he didn't do his job there, and he left the defense vulnerable if the runner had cut back. And I, I know I'm dating myself a little bit. Michael, you remember you remember Vines? Uh, of course. Yeah, So, but anyway, I, that's what I think of when I think of Williams because this defense isn't really uh, – this defense isn't really built, as you said, to necessarily produce monster numbers on Williams unless the ball goes into his area, but he's doing his job very well. Yeah, and I think with Williams, he was pick six, or a lot of hype around him. I mean, a lot of people talked about him as perhaps the best overall player in that draft, so I think there's a lot of expectation for him to put up, you know, the big numbers, the sacks, the tackles, the, you know, Pro Bowl caliber numbers, but he is out there winning his matchups consistently and at times dominating them, and even if the numbers aren't going to back it up, that's what you want your star players to do, and he has done that for the most part this year. All right, so we've talked about some of the good. Why don't we go to where this game was lost? And, I mean, I, where do you even want to begin? I mean, there's so many places we can look at, so many plays that are just just frustrating. Yeah, it's just a lot of stuff went wrong. I think we could start on the on the offensive side with Josh McCown. I mean, he's a quarterback. We talked down plenty this year. But just again, and you mentioned it in uh, an article this week, just 
the way the stats can over over overestimate the way he played is really surprising. You look at his numbers: three hundred yards, three touchdowns, over a hundred quarterback rating. And look, he did have the three touchdowns, and there were two more he really could have or should have had. But mistakes like the ones he makes just really almost cancel out all that. He, the awareness on the sack, he talked about it all year, and it comes up again at the worst possible time. He's got to just eat that ball, be careful with it, know the situation. And there were definitely a few plays that really could have been interceptions that weren't. So McCown, just this is what you get with him. He's going to make those mistakes. So definitely some blame for McCown. Yeah, and, you know, you could talk about the the drops in the end zone. Okay, well, are we going to take off the touchdown he threw into double coverage where Anderson made the great catch? Or, you know, and again, you, as you mentioned, the the balls that could have been – if we're going to talk about plays that could have been touchdowns, there were a number of plays that could have been interceptions that weren't made. Yeah, you're right. And, like, I mean, we said it with Williams. Just football is the kind of sport where if you're going to look at the stats, you kind of have to – really take them to grain of salt and understand what you're looking at and how it only tells part of the story. And McCown's a great example of that this year, Williams. So it's definitely something to keep in mind as you evaluate players. All right, let me put you on the spot. Is it time for a quarterback change? Oh, wow. I mean, for me and for any fan, you look at it from far away, it's just, it just makes sense. I mean, they're pretty much out of the picture of 4-7. and seven. They'd have to win out against a pretty tough schedule even have any chance of being in the playoff picture, but I mean, you look at the team, you look at the coaching staff, it's just not something they're going to do because McCown, I mean, like we said, he's not a bad guy at all. He's known as a leader in the locker room. He's a leader on the field, and at the end of the day, he has, you know, produced. He's gotten Anderson the ball deep. He's made some plays. Just, I don't think that the coaching staff anytime soon is going to just hand over the reins to a young guy for the sake of the future, even though from afar, that is definitely what I would do and anyone else would do. I'm really not sure when it's going to happen because especially with the state of the AFC, how mediocre it is, the Jets might not be officially eliminated until really late in the year, maybe week 15, week 16. So I don't think until that point we're going to see them make a change. But if it were me, I would definitely have my eye in the future, get a look at Petty right now but I just don't expect it with this team. I agree on all points. Um, let's talk about some of the other plays that, that, that lost this game for this team. I mean, the, the, the punt return they allow right after the McCown touchdown. It's one of the most unbelievable sequences. I, I'm not sure I've ever seen a team go f- go from up two points to down two. I mean, they went, they went from being ahead to being down two scores without the defense ever sitting foot on the field. Yeah, that was a disappointing moment from the special teams. I mean, it's been a decent year for the special teams. I mean, the, re- the return units, like, as we saw, JoJo Nassin had a, a muff punt, and, again, they can't find a returner for their lives. But back to the punt return, it was – they've had a – Lachlan Edwards has had a good year. They've had a decent year covering kicks. That was just a terrible time for the struggles to come back, and there were a lot of missed tackles on that. Edwards didn't get a lot of hang time on it. And it's really disappointing how the Jets just can't come up with a difference-making special team unit, even if they sometimes can manage consistency, just to not lose those kinds of battles of the big game-changing plays. 
You know what uh, what really stuck out to me was that Thomas Hennessy, the long snapper, who who has done a solid job this year, replacing Tanner Purdom, missed the first tackle. And what stuck out to me is I don't know if you re- you remember this, but back in the preseason when Todd Bowles was asked why they kept Hennessy over Edwards, Bowles said something to the effect of, "We think he's better at getting down the field to help us out with tackling." Which I mean, I get, he did get down the field; he just missed the chance to tackle him. Yeah, and it's just it, decisions like that. I mean, long snapper, it's a position where maybe once a year they come into focus where they are in a key position on an important play. So obviously not a great time for that to show up. But I think, like you said, he's been decent for the most part. But, I mean, it's kind of position where, I mean, you got to be mistake-free. And if you're not, then you're below average. So I don't think... For him, for Hennessy in particular, it's too much to complain about. But just as a unit, that's not what you want to see in spots like that. Yeah, I, I don't know if you remember the name Trey Junkin, who was he, he was a guy who was in the NFL for a long time as a long snapper, and pretty much nobody had ever heard of him up until the last game of his, of his career, which was a playoff game for the Giants, where he made two bad snaps. So it's just one of those positions where you want to be anonymous. If you if nobody knows who you are, you're doing your job. Uh, let's talk about I mean, a couple of key penalties and big spots for the Jets in this game. Just really frustrating, avoidable stuff that helps contribute to this loss. Yeah, there was the one penalty on Jordan Jenkins. This is probably the biggest one. Panthers had a fourth down that ultimately didn't get converted. Jordan Jenkins was offside on that play, and that eventually led to a touchdown. And that kind of stuff is just frustrating. And it's it's hard to pit blame or attach blame to this because. Everyone wants to blame the coaching staff because it is an overall thing and it does seem like a mentality just that when a team commits penalties that much. So it is easy to put blame on the coaching staff, but it is kind of just a circumstantial thing, just staying disciplined in the moment. And maybe the coaching staff does deserve some blame for it, but I don't really know if that's something that they could be entirely put on the spot for. It's just individually staying disciplined and knowing the situation. How about the roughing the passer penalty late in the game? Yeah, that's a tough one. And, you know, those calls can be questionable sometimes. But, again, it's just knowing the situation and just staying off there that you could have a chance to win the game, Pinnell. And and Pinnell did play a solid game. But, again, penalties and spots like that are just not acceptable. Well, you know, let's change gears a little bit. I, I think I would be remiss if I wasn't if I didn't ask you for your take on the Austin Safari and Jenkins play. Well, on that play, I mean, when I saw the replay and I saw that he bobbled it when he came down, I mean, I I kind of knew that was going to come back just based on based on the last Safari and Jenkins call in the New England game and the way we've seen the rules play out. So, I think this one is way more than the New England one which I definitely thought should have been a touchdown. I think I kind of not agree with it because I think based on the rule, it makes sense, but it's the rule that that's what I have a problem with. He catches the ball. He has possession. He gets two feet in. Then I think at that point, what happens after is, I think that's a moot point after that, and that, that shouldn't matter. He catches the ball. He's in the end zone. I think at that point, it's a touchdown. And what happens after really shouldn't matter. So that's what I have an exception with. But based on the way they've been calling it, I don't. I think it made sense. 
Man, can the NFL just clear? Can the NFL put together s- s- some simple rules about about a catch that are just clear to everybody? Yeah, this is and this is one of the problems with the NFL, like as a whole. You just want to kind of see some clarification on what is, what isn't, how long you need to possess the ball, how much, how what you need to get in for it to count, and it's just really, really, really cloudy. And just to get some a really stern clarification on what is a catch, what isn't, that'd be really refreshing to see for them to come together and just just address in the off season. All right, Michael. Anything else you'd like to talk about today? Um, I think one more complaint I would have about the offense, aside from account, aside from the offensive line that we definitely know has struggled. Um, Matt Forte continuing to lead the team in carries. I just, I really don't know what's going on there. I mean, I get with McCown at the quarterback position. You have a guy who you can trust will run your offense, even if fans won't agree, but running back is a position where that's a playmaking position. You get the ball, you got to make people miss. That's your job. You're out there to make plays. And you look at Matt Forte, he just doesn't have the, the speed or the burst to do that anymore. And, Bilal Powell made a couple of good plays in this game in spite of that offensive line. And even Elijah McGuire had a couple of nice plays and showcased some efficiency. So, like we said, sometimes it makes sense to play a veteran in certain spots just because of the knowledge of the position. But I don't know if running back is a position where that matters all that much. And I think Powell and McGuire have outplayed him efficiency-wise, and I don't really get why Forte is featured so much in the running game. And that'll be the final word on today's show. Michael, thank you. Thanks again for joining us. Hopefully we can bring you back next week under better circumstances. You're right. Thanks for having me back. And thank you for listening. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Subscribe to the show, iTunes or Spotify, and please leave the show a good review. Hope you have a great Tuesday. We will be back again on Wednesday. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.